It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Happy Monday, everybody. Big news. We finally have our first title sponsor. Josh, you want to tell us about who that is and what that's all about? Man, none other than the man himself, the barbell physio, Dr. Zach Long, sponsoring today's podcast, which is so appropriate because we're talking about CrossFit, we're talking about injuries in CrossFit, talking about kind of misconceptions of that area. And, you know, Zach's been pushing for a little pub, so it's not like we don't talk about him enough or anything, huh? Yeah, we should probably name the podcast after him. So, Yeah, we're actually name change ideas. This could be the Barbell Physio Fan Club podcast. Um, so if he's our sponsor, man, what's uh, what's all that mean? What's he got to offer? I think um, we're getting T-shirts out of this, but I think we already were supposed to be getting those because we won that CrossFit total, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've heard a few excuses. I, I can't do the total. I'm too busy making money. you got too many people beat down my door. Um, I did this whole this. new clinic thing. I mean, okay, all right, all right, all right. We get it, we get it, we get it. But you know, I do wear a size large. That's right. So, you know, sponsored by Barbell Physio. If you're not following Zach Long, you ain't shit. <laughs> yep, at the Barbell Physio, and follow their new clinic at Onward uh, CLT for Onward Charlotte. Um, Zach and Jordan are, are awesome. I'm loving my experience there, man. I'm learning a ton. Hopefully, carrying that over here soon when I get back and uh, can start practicing here. Well, speaking of clinical experience, we are joined in the studio today by my student physical therapist, Corey Stewart. It's a little, uh, little impromptu midterm assignment here, <laughs> jumping on this episode. Yeah. Corey, you might get the listeners up to speed a little about who you are and where you're from, and we'll go from there. Yeah, first off, thanks for, thanks for having me, guys. Um, I'm originally from, from Cleveland, Ohio. I came down in 2016 to go to school with Josh. We're classmates at the University of South Carolina, and set to graduate here in December. And I'm currently under the tutelage of Brandon Vaughn. Um, and like Josh with Zach, had, a, had an awesome time these last six weeks learning, learning a lot and, and growing in my craft as a, as a future PT. Shock, another Ohio native in South Carolina. <laughs> Boom, we all left and we're not going back. But got to give Corey credit. He's actually a podcast veteran. You may, if you are a true fan of the Better Faster podcast, soon to be titled the Barbell Physio Fan Club podcast. Um, we had, did an episode in our management class last fall with, uh, with Jim Floyd, um, one of our co-owners of Vertex. We also had a nice little student panel, and Corey was on the panel. He volunteered mm-hmm. to be on the panel. I was so voluntold. Voluntold to be on the panel. Yeah. So, uh, so definitely, yeah, Corey's, Corey's a vet. He knows what's up. Yeah, and I got to talk Corey up a little bit, too, because he's doing an outstanding job as a student. He, uh, he's stealing patients off my schedule left and right. They just they love him, man. So we had a, we had a talk about this the other day that 
there's a lot of smart jerks out there, a lot of smart jerks getting into PT school, but it's kind of rare you get the total package, someone who can uh, connect with people, do the work, make good decisions, and make people feel comfortable in that clinic. Thanks, Brandon. Not <laughs> sure if it's just because I'm sitting right next to you, but I appreciate it. Yeah. So before we actually get into today's topic, we were posed a question by none other than Dr. Pat Casey, one of our Vertex PTs here, who is podcast veteran, on Froning versus Frazier. So we're talking about CrossFit today, and this is the debate that will probably rage on for all time. Uh, it's tough, man. It's tough. It's almost two different eras. They both were so dominant when they were going. Um, they did have some head-to-head -head stuff, but for Ed Froning, it was more, you know, in his prime, and, and Fraser was still just starting, you know, a little bit newer into the sport. So I don't know, Brandon, who, who are you going with? If you had to pick today, Fraser in his prime, which is basically now, I mean, he's won four in a row, yeah, yeah. or Froning at the kind of the end of his four in a row, who are you taking? Gun to my head, I got to go with Fraser. Prime Froning versus Prime Fraser. I think he's just a, a a beast. He's a specimen. But Froning, I think, is a gamer. Like mm -hmm. I think that he he can strategize. I think that he can suck his opponents kind of into his game plan and make him pay for that. Which I think he did with Fraser a few times. Like didn't he actually like make that boss move and and take Fraser's chalk and like win the competition one year or two? Yeah, I think I think when he did that though, it was like totally not intentional and not trying to mess with him. Or maybe <laughs> maybe I'm wrong there, but. Uh, uh, you know, that would make for a much better uh, rivalry. I wish there, that's, CrossFit needs a rivalry. Yeah, that, they, need, they need a shit talker. Yeah. Seriously, like, they get a TV deal if they had one Conor McGregor, one Tyson Fury. Yeah, guy. somebody that chase says, yes. I'm going to all of you up today. <laughs> yes. it's, hard, it's hard to sell fitness to the, to the general population. Right. And, uh, um, man, that's a, it's such a tough call. I'm a huge Froning fan just because he, he seems like such a good dude. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to meet him one time and, and get a picture with him, which was cool. Um, and, you know, I totally fangirled. This was like 2013. So it was like, I'm new into the sport. He's prime, you know, he's the man. It's like, oh crap, that's Rich Froning. Um, so, you know, I still, I like to hold out hope that um, Froning would probably win in that situation, but it is hard to deny the dominance of Matt Frazier. Um, and I think his background um, in Olympic lifting you know, prior to this, it, it's been so beneficial for him. Um, and I, I, it would be hard to go, you know, to go against anyone, uh, you know, other than Frazier. For sure. Yeah. Corey, who you got? I think kind of going with you, Brandon. Um, going with you, Brandon, the uh, the gamer mentality of running. Like, I respect the approaching approaching competitions with that, that mindset of just strategizing well and executing well. Um, but, I mean, Frazier's – Body of work speaks for himself. So yep. we got sounds like we got three Frasers. I think we're all going yeah. Fraser. Sorry, cool. Rich. Still love you, bro. <laughs> uh, oh, just somebody say something about PEDs. Well, if you, hey, if you insist, you know that's my favorite pastime. So oh, I say man. I say let them all juice. I let think I all? think everybody I think oh, I think everybody's on it. I think that levels the playing field. Uh, I'm not a big fan of how they do that scapegoat thing every year where they pick some bomb, some jobber nobody's ever heard of and kick him out of the CrossFit games yeah. and say, yeah, we drug test, but you know how that goes. Yeah, it, not a conspiracy theorist, but we can read between the lines. So <laughs> this, this, it's interesting, man. Um, I think we'd be naive if we said we really didn't think anybody was. Um, at the same time, um, I do know that testing is occurring, especially, you know, after Ethan qualified, you know, like I ran up to give him a hug right after and I actually wasn't allowed to make contact with him until after the drug test because they didn't want you passing anything to anybody. So like they do, I know that testing is occurring, um, now, who is in control of those results and when they get released, that might be something that's up for debate because um, it does seem like it, it, you know, it just, again, coincidence, maybe the, the people that end up 
you know, actually testing positive are always people who are names you've, you maybe heard of that are like big enough names, but they're not so big. It would tarnish the sport. I never heard of them. Um, <laughs> but well, like one of them was like the third place finisher at the games, yeah. um, you know, and you know, he was, but he's, you know, it was from Australia. He was a rookie at the games. It was, you know, somebody was, you know, newer to the sport, not a Fraser or Froning kind of somebody thing. Somebody doesn't have a shoe line. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I'm trying to play this PC right now. Uh, yeah. So I, I mean, I think there's, uh, whenever there's money and points and fame and other things involved, um, there are always going to be people that try to find the edge, right? I think that's an sport. Chase. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it, like you said, the only way to truly level the playing field is to put no <laughs> restrictions. And then it's like whatever you're willing to do, like, it, you know, and that's the only way truly to level the playing field. Otherwise, there's always going to be people that are gaming the system a yep. little bit. Um, so it, it's the biggest thing for me, though, is like I think it's probably more if people are taking things, it's probably more in line to, to assist in their recovery because the type of volume that needs to be put in to, to compete at that level is so high. It's the ability to recover, adapt, and train in day after day, not necessarily trying to you know take a bunch of tea and go. I, I actually think that probably wouldn't be as beneficial um, in that population. It's more about like what can help me recover enough to put in that training volume that's necessary. Right. You're thinking skinny – 500 stolen bases, Barry Bonds, or <laughs> San Francisco Giants home run slugger. Oh, I, like, yeah. I like giant head. Giant, <laughs> yeah. like all all head I know is I've never Bonds. seen anybody's head get bigger from their age 30 to age 40. That's my that's, Barry Bonds. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, so it's you know that's an it's an interesting topic too. Um, and you know as much as we'd like to think everything's always kosher, you know, there's probably some people out there that are, that are you know living on the edge a little bit and it's it's because there's i mean a winner of the game is 300k right you know that's a nice little thing and the biggest the way that these individuals make money is is if they can get a sponsorship mm -hmm. yeah. right so. so yeah and the, the, the reason why besides that i like to talk about it is because um you know there's a lot of speculation as to why froning went singles i honestly think fraser he's, he's scared of fraser he knew he could compete with him and um knew he wasn't going to be able to get first place and so he had to go ahead and go to teams that's my opinion. I, just man, I think I think the champs mentality is always there, man. I think there was yeah. ulterior motives. I think it was he was about there about to have their first child. I think it was it allowed him to train a little bit less. I think yeah, I liked I, I, Frody, I still love you, bro. I still I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. you get the benefit of the doubt. So what's but, this episode about? <laughs> episode, The Truth About CrossFit Injuries. And that is a direct title of an article our title sponsor happened to write. Um, that uh, references some literature um, that's been published on injury rates in CrossFit because there's this huge misconception out there that CrossFit is dangerous and that CrossFit is what keeps PTs in business. I, the number of times I've heard somebody written like, oh, I love that there's a CrossFit gym down the road because you know, everybody keeps getting hurt and it keeps giving me business. And to be completely honest, the, the data and the literature doesn't support that. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today and just, you know, when people associate certain injuries with CrossFit, what probably is the underlying reason that individual suffered an injury? It probably wasn't CrossFit itself. Sure. So um, I guess that's where we can probably start there. Yeah. So, well, so, you know, you mentioned about what the misconception is. And so my, my question to that is, who are the people that drive that narrative? And mm -hmm. in my experience, I, because, you know, I, I live in this world, you know, I'm an insider. I see it coming from the, the orthopedic surgeons more so. They, yeah. they'll, they'll patients will come in and say, oh, we love CrossFit. It keeps us busy and that kind of thing. But I mm -hmm. mean, a lot of times these are fat docs. These are docs that you know haven't haven't lifted, touched a weight, or done any kind of cardio in like a decade. And um, the, the the fact is, this is America, right? People are still morbidly obese. They're still dying from cardiovascular disease, cancers, preventable diseases, diabetes. They ain't dying from shoulder pain and knee pain and, and an occasional you know acute low back pain that they're going to get through in a couple of weeks and that kind of thing. Other than that, I don't know. What do you guys see in terms of who kind of 
drives that story. <clears throat> I think some of it might even be just that we live we live in a like a New Year's resolution type of uh, community in America, and as people, the untrained population tends to jump in head first into something high intensity. We have that acute on chronic workload ratio spike and that we'll probably get to a little bit later, but just that, that, that whole mentality about CrossFit hurting you or, or being harmful or unsafe tends to spread within a more untrained population as well. Yep. Yeah, no, I think, um, as you kind of mentioned, um, there are probably un other underlying factors as to why that person suffered an injury. It most likely wasn't quote unquote CrossFit. And that's another big thing is what is CrossFit, right? And that is going to vary a ton based on where you go because CrossFit is an affiliate system, not a franchise model. So every gym that you walk into is going to be run a little bit differently. It's going to be doing a different type of programming. It's going to have a different level in terms of quality of coaching. It's going to spend different amounts of time with you. It's going to have a different intro process. It's going to, you know, there's so many different variables to consider there that it's not, it's hard to group all of CrossFit as a whole. So I think when we talk about um, the issues, people like to point to first the movements that are being done. So things like kipping and kipping pull-ups or higher repetition or higher volume Olympic lifting. And those are things that I feel like I get told all the time, like, oh, why is anybody doing, you know, what are, those aren't even pull-ups or what are those? And then why not just do them strict? And Or people talking about Olympic lifting isn't meant to be done in so many reps and touch and go reps. And I think the issue there is people see that as, you know, that's the whole point or that's the whole thing with CrossFit, whereas that's a small faction of CrossFit and it's important from a sport perspective. But realistically, you can't group every gym and every workout and everything together into one. So um, that, that's where I get I struggle with it, too, is people trying to kind of put CrossFit into this box of what it is. Yeah. And I think that's a fair criticism, too, because that that is one of the drawbacks of CrossFit is that no two boxes are going to be alike. And yeah. In one hand, it's up to the consumer to be savvy enough to do the research, shop around, that kind of thing. But they also might not know that they need to do that. They might right. assume that this is CrossFit is CrossFit, right? All gyms are alike and that kind of thing. So right. I think it could be a bit of a double-edged sword. But with that said, you know, I think there is still a, a narrative that uh, CrossFit is one of the most dangerous sports out there. So, you know, uh, next question to follow up on that is what do the numbers say? What's, what's the data say? Yeah, and there's been a lot of literature published, and I think Zach does a great job in that article we referenced. We'll tag that in the show notes of summarizing a lot of that literature and linking these specific articles in there. Um, but in general, most of the times when injury data is uh, reported, they report it in injuries per 1,000 hours of the activity. So uh, that's kind of how they, they standardize it a little bit. And so when we look at these things um, – CrossFit actually is very much in line with a lot of other sports. It's actually even less than some other activities. So when you look at CrossFit versus powerlifting versus gymnastics versus weightlifting versus running, it, it's not like there's this huge jump where everything else is pretty low and then all of a sudden CrossFit, there's these injuries that are you know way up there. Um, so when we talk about it, um, we can cite some specific ones. Specifically, Mont uh, Montalvo in 2017 found that 2.3 injuries per 1,000 training hours there. That's pretty low when you think about other things that are, are right in that line too. So when we talk about um, powerlifting is usually somewhere in that same range, two to three, Olympic lifting as well. Running actually anywhere from two to 12 in per 1,000 hours of training. So we think of running as being this harmless thing that everybody can go do. Oh, go walk, go run, you know, get your, your 150 minutes of activity a weekend, just go run a little bit. 
Um, running is a skill as well that a lot of people don't know how to do. Uh, and ultimately, you know, we see more runners in the clinic, I think, than anything else. But you could probably elaborate a little bit more on that. Yeah, no, so absolutely. So just to kind of recap what you said, according to the data, according to the numbers, running is actually five to six times more dangerous than CrossFit. Even on that study that you referenced, it showed that Zumba is actually more dangerous, has more injuries than, yeah. than CrossFit does. Freaking Zumba, right? So, you know, when you have that data and you're armed with it, I don't, I can't wrap my mind around why you would discourage people from doing any form of exercise that they enjoy, right? Because that's kind of the number one thing, right? If you, if you enjoy what you're doing, you're going to stick with it. And if you don't, right. you'll probably just kind of be off New Year's resolutions like most of the time they're done by Valentine's Day, that kind of deal. Um, so, you know, that that's one of my kind of big hangups is, you know, how, how do we sort of, you know, weigh risk versus reward as far as that goes? And, and I think that it can definitely be beneficial on the big picture. Yeah. Yeah. So for, for me, that's a, the biggest thing first and foremost right there is we are worried about somebody getting hurt in the gym when we have such an issue of people who are not active at all. And so until we're really, <laughs> for me, it's like a, we're fighting the wrong fight there, mm -hmm. at least among ourselves as practitioners are talking about the safety uh, of certain act, you know activities. It's like, I'd rather somebody, I would much rather somebody be working out in a CrossFit gym consistently, you know, doing all these things that are great from a, you know, a health and wellness perspective, and then occasionally have a flare up of a little bit of shoulder pain that I can help them work with. And, and rather than me instilling that fear of their activity that they love to do and run this risk of their actual overall activity declining because they're avoiding doing something that now they're worried they're going to get hurt doing. So it's just, it's just funny to me that we keep pushing this narrative of like, oh, this form of activity is so much more, you know, so much riskier of an activity from injury standpoint than other activity when we have such a, an activity problem in general. So the other thing that happens with CrossFit that doesn't happen in a lot of other places when we talk about other types of activity is a lot of times you're getting support from the outside the gym stuff too. So CrossFit preaches the bottom of their pyramid. You learn the level one is actually nutrition. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying that every CrossFit gym does a great job of pumping nutrition data to their individuals, but a lot of them do. And this comes down to being a savvy consumer. And so you're not only this has, is this person being active by going to, to a CrossFit gym versus some other form of activity, but oftentimes they're getting other data that's going to help them in other aspects of their life too. Um, and, and that's, you know, for me, I think we're just fighting the wrong fight there. So yeah, it, you know, it would be so simple if we could just quote the numbers and say, okay, problem solved. But, we know the saying is that data doesn't drive behavior, right? right? So with that said, people have that misconception. You know, maybe someone who's thinking about doing CrossFit listen to this mm -hmm. episode. How, why are people getting still those, those 2.3 per injuries per 1,000 training hours? What's happening? I think Corey touched on a little bit about how people are, you know, getting an acute spike in workload compared to what they're used to. So you want to, Corey, you want to elaborate about what all that entails and what that means and kind of how that looks in, in this particular sport? Yep. The, um, so the acute chronic workload ratio is, is basically an evaluation of how much exercise, what kind of volume from a week to week basis is someone doing in a, in a chronic state? And then also evaluating an acute within a week, how much volume are they doing? And, and if that ratio, I think the study shows that if that ratio is above 2.11, uh, there is a high likelihood of injury. It's highly correlated to increased risk of injury. And so <clears throat> I think the big kind of connecting the dots is when we have a more untrained population that does something, whether it's CrossFit, whether it's powerlifting or any kind of athletics, what have you, if there is a general low volume 
chronically and then they they spike up and do a lot more or they increase the demand on their body a lot more uh, that's when we put our bodies at risk for injury so uh, it's it's not just specific to crossfit it's specific across a wide variety zumba mm-hmm. or running or yeah. uh, power lifting strongman competitions what have you so so basically kind of what you're saying is essentially if if load exceeds capacity you're gonna get hurt right Right. so somebody just jumps into something that they're they haven't either done before or you know maybe a sudden increase the amount of what they're doing the tissues might not be ready for it yet right so that's where we have to probably start thinking about how we can develop an individual over time Mm -hmm. and i think that's more of what you see within crossfit i think just because crossfit is becoming such it's becoming much more popular that's just the the flavor of the the month in fitness but you see that across all sports when someone gets into something and, and hasn't effectively transitioned into increasing their volume over time. Yeah. Especially with runners, again, coming back to runners, I don't want to hate on runners um, because, you know, again, if that's what you like to do, that's great. And our job as PTs is to help you continue to do what you want to do. But oftentimes you have someone say, Oh, I signed up for this half marathon. And so they just start running a ton, a ton more than they have consistently. And they wonder why they're having something flare up. And, and within the sport of fitness, I, across it, I kind of see three time points where you really see this acute to chronic workload ratio become an issue. First is like you mentioned, right when somebody starts, they go from nothing to too much too soon. The second thing is when they've um, figured out a new skill and they're really trying to learn that skill and perfect that skill and they just do too much of it especially with something that's a little more dynamic they finally get the first kipping variation of something and then all of a sudden they are just slamming these reps over and over and over again again it's not that that specific movement is a problem it was a workload issue and then the third is when someone goes really from more of like a i'm doing this for fun to more of i want to try to compete phase um because that they see that all these you know competitive athletes are putting in so much volume as we mentioned from you know the talk about peds earlier is you know to compete at a high level in the sport volume is a big part of it because some of these competitions really become survival you know more survival than anything else with, with, with how they're they're constructed so they they up their training volume a little too much too soon there as well so it's kind of three different time points that i really see that ratio coming into effect um, and for me again that comes down to are you at a, a location or at a, at a gym or with a coach that truly understands these things that can help guide you on this path so it's not crossfit as a whole it's not a specific movement within CrossFit or movements. It's just like any other sport. It is workload management is progression is having logical progressions. It's listening to your body. It's just having, it's, it's training principles that we know work, you know, being applied. It's not necessarily something unique to the sport of CrossFit. Right. Would you, would you be safe to say that the, uh, the principle of that acute to chronic workload ratio is it holds true within the, the athletes that you've had experience with from High level athletes, games yeah. type athletes to beginners. Yeah, I think I think definitely. Um, I, you know, for me, when I try to look at it too, I definitely have that in my mind, um, or something along those same lines. When we're progressing a lot of the volume of 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 certain movements in preparation for an event. So, you know, for me, do I am I completely worried about? I gotta be able to hit one hundred of a certain movement in training session, knowing that they might have to hit 130 in the conditioning session uh, or in the, the, the testing scenario, say the competition. You know, I'm not necessarily worried about getting as close as I can to those numbers there. It's more about for me when we're progressing week to week that I'm, I'm progressing logically in how much volume I'm accumulating. And then I have in my mind where I would like them to get up from a total volume perspective so that way they are as prepared as possible for a competition scenario. 
So it's, it's kind of like a double-edged sword because you want to make sure they've done enough in training that the acute spike of something from competition isn't too much to push them over the edge. But at the same time, if you were trying to train up to the volume that's seen in competition, that's very difficult to recover from. So you're kind of finding that, that, that sweet spot, but I definitely think you're right. I think when we see people who have issues um, like post CrossFit open, it's because they, they try to do a workout has, you know, a hundred of a certain rep or certain movement that they've never done more than 20 of in a day. And then, then it becomes slightly, uh, slightly more of an issue or they, what they do is they've trained pretty hard. They've built up this volume and they try to repeat a workout. Say it had a hundred of a certain movement. And then they did that on Friday and did the same thing again on Monday. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of that, that acute spike there was just too much for their system. And then we have to, you know, you know, then we have to talk more about workload management at that point with that athlete. Yeah. So, so really, really good talk about volume management for sure. But I, I do want to back up a little bit and you touched on skills, right? Mm-hmm. So just thinking about the newbie, the person who's just yeah. trying to, you know, get some movement competency, some skill, skill acquisition, just learning how to do one of those movements, like a kipping pull-up, like right. we talked about. Um, I, you know, we're, we're identifying all these problems, so we need to identify some solutions too. Right. Title sponsor, Barbell Physio. Boom. Doesn't he, doesn't he have a, a series of, of some things to help people work on developing these skills? Yeah, man. I've uh, got to give a shout out to him and Pamela Gagnon. She's a... Uh, was an instructor for it was CrossFit gymnastics. Now I think it's an independent course because CrossFit kind of moved all of their courses to independent courses. Um, but they have a Performance Plus, which is a bunch of uh, a bunch of little programs that are kind of like accessory programs and things that you can you can you know purchase or become a member of their their uh, monthly membership to have access to all of them to where you can address something specific like that. But um, ultimately, that's exactly what someone needs to do as they're building up these skills. It's more about you know what. The, again, CrossFit does a good job of preaching some of these things in their methodology. It's just whether it's carried out with each individual gym is the issue. And they preach mechanics, then consistency, then intensity. So that means learn how to do the movement first. Make sure you can do it effectively, efficiently, safely, and that you have that down. And then it's about consistently. Can you con- continually perform that movement or that skill perfectly, safely, over and over and over again, not even thinking about fatigue yet. It's just the consistency of the movement prior to adding in that third part, that intensity. And that's where you add volume. That's where you're adding weight to something. That's where you're trying to go faster. You know, that, you know, if we follow that model of mechanics, consistency, intensity, then, you know, the ability to tolerate some of those more dynamic contractions like a kipping pull up or something like that is it, you're going to be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. The problem is people want to jump straight to that intensity right. part. So again, it comes back down to, are you in a position where you have a coach that <laughs> is you know, able to teach the movement efficiently? and is also going to progress you appropriately across that continuum. Um, but again, if you're in somewhere where you don't feel like you have that kind of support, um, a great option is one, hire a coach, you know, shameless plug. Um, and two, uh, the other option too would be, you know, seek out some of those very well-designed templated programs like what Zach and Pamela put together to help um, you take you from step you know, point A to point B, knowing that, okay, I'm following a pretty logical progression here. I, this is appropriate. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, those are two ways to really build that foundation. And uh, so that way you can get to those higher skills, but doing so in a manner that's not going to leave you, um, you know, scheduling an appointment with us to, to look at something that's flared up. Oh yeah, for sure, and I and I, I can't encourage the the end of a individualized coaching um, enough. I mean, that's another one of the drawbacks of CrossFit. I mean, these are typically large group fitness classes, kind of when you break it down, and a coach can only do so much, right? You can't go into it expecting to be individualized. And at some point, whether it is you trying to play catch up and learn some movements, whether it is you looking at your long term development, whether it is injury prevention, 
at some point getting together with a coach is probably going to be in your best interest. It just is what it is. You know, you might pay a little more for it, but that's, that's life, right? You get what you pay for. And so with that said, if someone is interested in potentially pursuing some type of individualized program, whether it's remote programming or doing something on site, where can they find a coach? Boom. Yeah. Another, <laughs> another shameless plug. Follow us on Instagram at Vertex Strength, um, you know, or, or our PT page at Vertex PT. Uh, or if you're in Columbia area, man, come on by. Um, it's, you know, we'd love to have you come in and check out the place, talk a little bit more about you, um, or I'm happy to chat on the phone about you too, um, about what you what you're looking for and how we could help you. But um, I, I think you're right, Brand. Eventually, you know, as you're really trying to get more specific with your goals, your training and, and the other stuff around training, you need to become more specific to you. So I think it's kind of a logical progression. A lot of times people go for more of that group class, get the newbie gains, get going, and then they start to hit a plateau. It's like, okay, I need something for me now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that seems to be, uh, you know, the course that most people take. But ultimately, you know, if that's not out of the question, there are some great other options out there. Like you mentioned, find people like Zach, like Pamela, that put out great content that um, isn't individualized, but is really well designed. So, you know, you are doing something that's appropriate, that's going to allow you to progress at a rate. Like Corey mentioned, you know, your, your build each week is appropriate based on what you've been putting in. Mm-hmm. So you're not having to guess, you're, the guesswork's taken out of it there. So um, definitely, you know, go to Performance Plus or Zach's page or, or Pamela's page and, and um, check out that stuff too. Gotcha. Well, guys, b- before we sign off, you know, I think, I think we're all on the same page here that in summary, I mean, we don't feel that CrossFit is any more dangerous than any other sport. I mean, as a physical therapist, I mean, think about any, any athlete that comes in your door. Think about a football player. Mm-hmm. What are you going to tell them? No, you can't play football because you're going to get hit and you might get a concussion CTE. No, if their goal is to be able to do this sport, then you're going to help them be able to do it. And you can talk about risk and mitigate risk. But at the end of the day, you know, it is your job to help people meet their goals. And you need to actually know what you're talking about, too. So a- as a physical therapist, it's not a bad idea to actually, you know, dip your toes into a CrossFit a little bit. You know, maybe go – call some of the coaches uh, within a couple mile radius of your clinic and see if you can drop into a class and learn some of these movements. You can speak the same language and somebody uses the term snatch or the terms clean and jerk. You actually know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yep. So um, again, I encourage you to look at that data yourself if you're questioning it or if you have concerns about it um, and just know that you don't, you know, kind of the common misconceptions that you need to already be in shape before doing, you know, doing this type of stuff. Uh, but again, it comes down to uh, being a savvy consumer. If you find the right place, you can start with where you are right now. And they'll meet you where you're at and then build from there. Um, so I wouldn't be afraid to jump into this, uh, jump into a CrossFit gym. Just do your homework beforehand. Um, and then, uh, you know, you know, be, be savvy when you're looking at things. Don't just, uh, don't just drink the Kool-Aid right away. Make sure there's a progression there. Well, Corey, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah. Six, six weeks down, six to go. Six to go. No, I appreciate it being being here with y'all and it was a lot of fun. Awesome. All right, guys, until next week. And one last thing, if you liked the episode, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review. That way we can reach more people. And if you have any questions, a topic that you want us to cover, or maybe a person that you think we should interview, hit us up on Instagram at better, faster podcast. You can also keep up with updates on our physical therapy and strength and conditioning businesses by giving us follows at Vertex PT and at Vertex Strength. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Have a great week and we'll be back next Monday. This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. 
Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.